If you have your Bibles while you're standing, turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. If you have a say, amen. amen. The Bible says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with them Lord God I ask in the name of Jesus Lord God that you, you build us up on our most holy faith this evening Lord God let your word go forth and, and encourage and edify your people Lord in the name of Jesus, we pray, God. We thank you for this day we've never seen before, God. We come into your house to give you all the glory and all the honor. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Amen. Let me get my clock going. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The title that I want to come with tonight, it might not make sense of the two passages that I've read, but it will here in a minute. The title I, 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 that the Lord put on my heart to talk about tonight is Victory of the People. Victory of the People. This was a Pharisee. The Pharisee was a member of a sect out of the religion of Judaism that followed a legal tradition that were ascribed not to the Bible, but to the tradition of their fathers. And those traditions made them hypocrites. And that's not just my opinion, that's according to Jesus. In Matthew 23, 13 through 37, Jesus cried unto him, woe! unto you scribes, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. And he declared that they shut up the kingdom of heaven against man and not only stopping themselves from entering, neither allowed other people to go in too. And he rebuked them and said that these Pharisees would go far and wide overseas and land just to make one proselyte, one convert. And when they're done with them, he said that they, they end up a twofold more child of hell than them themselves. It was one of them, a Pharisee, that was the one that came to him by night. This is what Jesus was dealing with. This is what he encountered. This man came by night, but he came. I don't care who you are, what your background is, I just thank God that people make some type of effort to come to Jesus, amen. We have to praise the Lord for every little attempt. I got people in my life that, that are far off, but when they ask me a question about Jesus or they ask a question about the Bible, something uh, well up in me and just want to thank God that they even attempting to ask, amen. You got to think if it was your father, your brother, your sister, whether they came by night, whether they put them first or whatever, just the attempt, we should give God praise for, amen. Some believe that he came by night out of fear. Others think that he came and chose that time to, to, to have less distractions and less interruptions. Either way, he carved out time to meet with Jesus. This man's name was Nicodemus. His name itself is somewhat odd for a man in his position. It was, it was something special about this man, or odd. It depends on the way you looked at it, but 
it was a good, strong Greek name for a Jewish man that was a ruler in Israel. And his name meant Nicodemus, it means victory of the people. Some translated as victorious among his people, but victory of the people. Tonight, I, I, my goal is to look at him a little closer. I want to look at this ruler of the Jews. I want to I want to most importantly look at the conversation that he had with Jesus. I want to dive in it. So I need you to bear with me a little bit. If, if, you, if you heard me speak, I, I, I get a lot of Bible in. So just follow me. Amen. I'm glad they're recording it. If you need to go back and look. But uh, like Pastor said, I got to preach what God put on my heart. Amen. He came in a very respectful way. He came and, and said, he called Jesus Rabbi which means teacher. He came to learn something, and that he did. He didn't come off combative or confrontational like we often see the Pharisees do when they encounter Jesus in the scriptures. He acknowledged that his ministry was confirmed by his miracles and signs that they knew that God was with him. And the way Jesus replied was very interesting, and, and not just interesting, it's very direct. The Bible says in verse 3, Jesus said unto, unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus answered a question that Nicodemus didn't even ask. But Jesus, knowing his heart, knowing the heart of man, he went straight to the heart of the matter, amen. He pulled no punches. This was a Pharisee. He was, he was talking to someone who taught and believed just because they were direct descendants of Abraham that made them automatically citizens of this kingdom. And we know how Jesus felt about him. He accused them of shutting up the kingdom and not being able to enter themselves and stopping others, but... Entering into the kingdom of God, it's not about your pedigree, amen. It's not about your genealogy. It's not about whether you're rich or poor. It's not about whether you're black, white, brown, red, yellow. Jesus said you must be born again. Hallelujah. You must be born again. The Greek word here that they translate born again is enothen which means born from above or from a higher place or elevated place. Paul told the Corinthians in the sixth chapter of his first letter, don't be deceived. Do not be deceived. You can't just live any kind of way and do anything you want and expect to inherit this kingdom. When we are born from above, we live in a higher existence spiritually. Not that it makes us better than other people, but we just live on a higher plane, amen. And that, that, that existence affects our mind, it affects our body, and it affects our soul. Paul penned in Col Colossians 3, set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, and, and from which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience, in that which ye also walked sometimes when ye lived in them. But now, somebody say, but now. Ye are also put off these angers, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication. Put it out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed, amen, and knowledge after the image of him that created him. We, we have this new man that is renewed, it's, 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 it's a reference to the new birth, amen. And when this happened, people was, would treat you a little funny. People would start looking at you a little strange and 
treating you different and, 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 and start misunderstanding you. Amen. Has anybody ever been misunderstood? Anybody been treated funny because you say, I don't do what you do. I don't think the way you think no more. I don't, I don't, I don't go to the same banquet in the riotous anymore. Amen. And, and, and you, you're in good company because they did the same thing to Jesus. Jesus told them, he was having a dialogue with them. And he was telling them that before Abraham was, I am. And they looked at him crazy. What are you talking about? And in the, the eighth chapter of John, in the 21st verse, he said, then Jesus said unto them, I go my way. And we know what way that is. He said, I go and prepare a place that where I am that you may be also. Amen. We know he was talking about the kingdom. And he said, ye will seek me and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. Then the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he saith, whither I go, you cannot come. And he said unto them, ye are from beneath. I am from above. Ye are of this world, and I am not of this world. Saints, how many know, even though we are in this world, we are not of this world. Hallelujah. We've been born again from above. We, 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 we don't think like them. So when we do things, it may be strange to them. But don't get mad. Just know that you're in good company. Amen. They thought he was talking about killing himself. He said, no, I go my way. And, and, and we have to go our way, which is after Christ. Amen. Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born from above. Peter penned in 1 Peter 1, chapter 1, verse 3 and verse 23. He said, blessed be God our, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again. He has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And 23 says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. This thing is everlasting, amen. This thing is eternal. Hallelujah. And we all should be able to quote, uh, most of you that read your Bible, 2 uh, Corinthians 5 and 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. We have some new things in Christ. Amen. I'm enjoying my new things. I don't know about you. I'm enjoying love. I'm enjoying peace. Amen. I'm enjoying long-suffering. I'm enjoying gentleness and goodness and faith. I'm enjoying meekness. I'm enjoying temperance. Amen. I don't just fly off the hinges like I used to. I, I got peace in my soul. Amen. Because I'm a new creature. Amen. In verse 4, back in chapter 3 in John, it says, And Nicodemus said unto him, How can these things be? How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? How can an old man be born? And, and, and just the way my brain worked with the scripture, I, I thought about the question, how can a young man cleanse his ways? In verse 5, he tells them, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto to, to thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He said, except. This expresses an absolute denial or it includes all other options. This is the only way. You have to be born again of water and of the spirit. At first he said, you can't see it. Another verse, he come back and said, you can't enter it unless if you're born again. You can't see it. You won't even be able to perceive it. You won't be able to experience, you won't be able to enter in it. Don't you know the things of God is foolishness to the carnal mind? Water and spirit, that's the only way that you'll have access. Without it, you have no access to the things of God. Hallelujah. I want to talk about that water real quick. Amen. First Peter chapter 3, it says, What's, in which time sometimes were obedient when when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah 
while the ark was a preparing, where, wherein few, somebody say few, that is eight souls were saved by water. Now he's talking about soul salvation. Eight souls were saved by water. And he says, the light figure run to even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answering of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not talking about just taking a bath or a, a, a shower. No, it is having a good conscience. You knowing that you've been obedient, you submitted yourself to the word of God. The Bible says in Luke 7 and 30 that the, the Pharisees rejected the counsel of God against themselves by not being baptized by John. Water baptism is that important. Don't let nobody tell you anything different. The water does now save us, amen. Amen. Other translations say they rejected God's purpose for themselves, not being baptized. First Corinthians, I alluded to this earlier. Know ye not that the unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Somebody say, be not deceived. Neither fornicator, nor idolaters, or adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And somebody look around real quick. Just look around at yourselves. The Bible says, such were some of you, but ye were washed, but ye were sanctified, but you was justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the spirit of our God. That's that water and spirit baptism. Amen. Such was some of you. Amen. We thank God for the power that comes in that new birth. We find in Titus where Paul, he's saying the same thing basically that Jesus is saying here. We're going to read later in John 3, 16. We all know it. But Paul tells Titus, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, towards men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. How? By the washing of regeneration in the renewing of the Holy Ghost. The washing of regeneration, regeneration, that means to be born again or regenerated or it's a making a new, amen. That's talking about the new birth. Hallelujah. Back in John 3, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. To go back to be not deceived. Flesh is flesh. And it is impossible for us to confuse the two. I know some churches nowadays and some religious, they, 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 they confuse the two. But you cannot confuse the two. Romans tells us, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnal-minded is, de is death, but to be spiritually-minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but are in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That is period, point blank, amen. That's clear. We have to remember the flesh is the flesh. I want to look back at what God told Noah back in Genesis. And remember what the Lord said about those days. He compared it to how the last days is going to be. Genesis 6 and 12 says, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh has corrupted his own way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, 
and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. That applies to the day, amen. Amen. It's like the days of Noah, he said. And it's a, we, we can't put confidence in the flesh. The, the end of all flesh is before us. We can just look at the world and see the condition that the world is in. It is corrupt, amen, and full of violence. It is corrupt and full of violence. There's no secret. We, we can see time beginning to wrap up, amen. And, and now is not the time to put confidence in the flesh. We got to mortify the deeds of the flesh, amen. One of Job's comforters had a point that he made that stuck out to me when I think of the flesh, and it's Job 15, 12 through 14. He says, why does thy heart carry thee away? And what do thy eyes wink at? What is that that you just allow, that you, you don't address, you, you, you keep it around, you just wink at it, 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 ain't, it ain't a big issue. But it says, they that turnest thy spirit against God. Your flesh is enmity against God. It ain't say it turns it from God. No, it turns it against God. And let such words come out of thy mouth. What is man that he should be clean? And, 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 and he which is born of woman, that he should be righteous. Paul tells us, for I know that in me there is no, in me there is, in my, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform it, that which is good, I find not. And Isaiah declares that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Paul was writing to the Galatians and he reminded them, he informed them that it'd be a foolish thing for you to try to complete or make perfect anything that began in the spirit. Try to complete it in the flesh. It'd be a foolish thing. And when Jesus was telling them all this, I, I can imagine the look that was on Nicodemus' face because in verse 7, back in John 3, Jesus had to tell him, marvel not that I said that you must be born again. Marvel not. A lot of times, okay, the water, we got us a pool. We, got, we can have rivers. We have creeks. That's something that we can submit to. And, you know, the Bible says, here go water, what hindereth me? But when it comes to the spirit, some people kind of get confused. And Jesus went on and dove in on verse eight. He said, the wind bloweth where it listeth, where it desires. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot, cannot tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone. Somebody say, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So is everyone. I go to Chicago once a week. You got to go to tomorrow. And when you're driving up I-65, you get past a certain point, you'll see these wind turbines everywhere. Anybody ever seen them up there on the highway? You see them everywhere, big thing, as far as the eye can see. You cannot control the wind. Some people call it uh, harnessing the wind. You cannot harness the wind, but you can harvest the wind. They know that, that Chicago land, the area of Chicago is very windy up there. And they cannot stop it, they can't control it. Sometimes that wind can go this way and then cut east on you. I don't see that wind knock over 18-wheeler trucks. So what they did was they positioned them turbines to know, and, and they knew where that wind was gonna come, so they took advantage of it. And they learned to harvest that wind and, and and take advantage of the energy that they can, can make from that wind. And don't you know when you come to church, that's what you do. We, we are putting ourselves in a position where the spirit moves. And so that's why when you come to church, you should clap your hands, amen. That's why when you come to church, you should lift your hands up. Because when that wind moves, the power will be stirred up in you, amen. Hallelujah. Dead church don't make sense to me. I don't understand that. Hallelujah, the wind is moving, amen. The, the spirit is moving. And we got to get with it, amen. We can't let the choir do all the work. We got to get with it, amen. Jesus say, 
when the wind blow, you'll hear the sound thereof. So is everyone. So is everyone. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Not just some of us. Not just those who uh, got that gift or those who uh, uh, are Pentecostal or somewhat charismatic. Or No, if you're born of the Spirit, you will hear the sound thereof. Amen. In Acts 2, I'm going to try to uh, hit it and quit it real quick because I, I, I get stuck here. I, I'll teach on this all night long. But Acts 2, when, when the day of Pentecost fully came, they was in one place, in one accord, with one accord. And they all, it was 120 of them. And there came a mighty rushing wind. Amen. And, if, and the sound filled the whole house. And the spirit, the, 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 the flames sat on each one of them. And, and they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. It gave them the ability, amen. And the Bible says in verse 6, Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that on every man, says every man, they heard them speak in his own language. Down in verse 11 it says, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongue and the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and they were in doubt saying one to another, what meaneth this? This is a pointing word. They were talking about what they heard. This is what they heard. What do this mean? And Peter stood up on, and, and preached and, and told them in verse 16, but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon our flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and the, and, and, and the old man will dream dreams. And, and, and he, he let them know, this what you're hearing is that what was spoken of, which is the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is that. So is everyone. And, and he, he didn't only just preach Job. He preached David as well. And, 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 and verse 25, he, he recorded that David said, he spoke concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. And for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Amen. How many glad that the Lord is on your right hand? No matter if the, the, the mountains fall into the sea, you would not be moved. Amen. If you stand upon his promises. And this is what he said. This was his, re his response. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. I remember when I first received the gift of the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, but my tongue got glad. Amen. Hallelujah. My tongue got glad. And I'm not talking about just the uh, A-E-I-O-U tongues. I'm not talking about the la-la-la and the ba-ba-ba. I'm talking about tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance. My tongue was glad. They couldn't sit me down. They couldn't shut me up. Hallelujah. Got filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and the Bible says in verse 33, therefore being by the right hand of God. He's talking about him being exalted after his resurrection. Having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed this forth this, which ye now see and hear. Which you now see and hear. He's talking about the Holy Ghost. When you are born of the Spirit, you will hear the sound thereof. Amen. Does anybody still believe that in 2024? Hallelujah. Let me get away from that. I, I could go all the way through the book of Acts and even the, the epistles and, and, and undergird that doctrine. Amen. And, and, and John 3, 9, Nicodemus replied and, and answered and said unto him, how can this be? How can this be? How can a man be born again? How, how, how can somebody get picked up and turned around and feet set on solid ground. How, how can this be? In verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? He's a teacher. He should have known this. This is what happens when you replace the traditions of men with the word of God. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not against all traditions. Traditions, we need traditions. But you cannot supersede God's word with man's traditions. Amen. He was an Old Testament expert. He knew it. 
Ezekiel should have known what his, uh, Nicodemus should have known what Ezekiel said in the 11th chapter, in the 18th verse. It says, and they should come hither, and they shall take away all the detestable things thereof, and all the abominations thereof from thence. And, and I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them. And I will take the stony heart of their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh. And, and they that walk in my statues, and, and they will keep my ordinances and, and, and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. When he say they are take away, that's a cleansing. And I don't know about you, I know some people try, but you can't cleanse nothing without water. <laughs> Amen. There's a cleansing taking place. And he said, he said, I will put a new spirit within them. That is the new birth. Right there in the Old Testament. Nicodemus should have known that. And not just there. It, 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 another witness established this just a few chapters later in Ezekiel 36 and 25. It says, then will I sprinkle clean water upon them, and he shall be clean. For all their filthiness and from all their idols, I will cleanse them. I will a new heart also will I give them, and a new spirit I will put within them. And I will take away the stony heart out of their flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues, and, and, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. But he didn't get it. He was blinded by tradition. He was blinded by their own way. He, he, he wouldn't get it. He didn't, didn't get it. He was a teacher of the Old Testament. And here, Jesus, just like the parables, Jesus used something that was so simple and common to illustrate something from above. In verse 12, he says, if I told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? Birth, being born, it's something that everybody in this room have experienced for themselves. We might not remember it, but we experienced it, amen. And it's not a concept, it shouldn't be a concept that is hard to grasp, but he couldn't get it. The Bible says in the 13th verse, and no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Now, that, that scripture gets ripped out of its context a lot and, 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 and dealt with treacherously by people that think they know the Bible. But within his context, he's letting them know, I'm the one with the mystery. Nobody been where I'm been. I, I know you think that I'm a good teacher that comes from God. You don't have no idea who I am. Amen. He, he's speaking of heavenly things. He didn't have a clue. And he, he's letting them know this is my realm that we're talking about. This is my realm. And, and, and the thing about him being from heaven and in heaven, when we are in him, we can experience the same things. Amen. When we are in Christ, we have those that access. Amen. The Bible says in Ephesians, but God who is rich in mercy quickened us. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved and has raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And in the previous chapter, verse 3, it says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm glad about my spiritual blessings. Amen. I'm glad that I'm able to sit and rest in heavenly places. Amen. Though hell may be breaking up all around me, I can just rest in Jesus in heavenly places. Hallelujah. I can, I can just rest assured that the blessings, I'm talking about blessings that go beyond cars and houses and land. I'm talking about blessings that can, that can keep my soul. Hallelujah. When all hell is breaking loose and when, when, when loved ones die or when, when I'm broke, I can be kept. Amen. And knowing that I have a reward. Amen. Jesus kind of switched gears here. In verse 14, he, he let them know how all this is possible. He switched gears and said, 
And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. What happened in the wilderness? Numbers 21 records how the people murmured and complained. They spoke against God and against his prophet. The Bible says they hated the light bread. They getting tired of his provisions. And God got angry and he, he let fiery serpents break out amongst them and, and bite them and many died. But the people came to Moses and cried and said, we sinned. We sinned and, and, and asked Moses to go to God to do something about this. And God went, the Bible says Moses went to God and God gave him a symbol and told him, go and make a brass serpent and put it on a pole and raise it up. And, and when you do that, all those who look upon it will be healed. And in, in the scriptures, a serpent represents evil and rebellion. Moses impelled it and put it on the rod and lifted it up. It was a symbol of the people surrendering their rebellion to God. And them looking unto it is a, was a symbol of them, I'm gonna believe what you say. And the Bible says that whosoever believed in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Sin had to be dealt with. That's what Jesus came to do. By him being lifted up and we believing and looking unto him, he destroys the work of the devil in our lives. One thing about the scripture, I know everybody knows John 3.16. That's the most famous scripture in the world. You see it at uh, events, basketball games, football games, people hold up signs. That's the most quoted, the most familiar passage in the world, amen. But 15, I just read it, it says, that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus reiterated it in the next verse, but before he did, he said something that was so profound. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then he reiterated that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It was the love of God that motivated Jesus to come. It wasn't his anger. It wasn't his wrath. Some people will have you believe that the God of the Old Testament is just some angry God in the sky that just thump people and kill people. That's not so. You can tell when somebody's not reading their Bible. If you read the Bible in the Old Testament, the Old Testament declares that God is slow to anger. The Old Testament declared that he will abundantly pardon. If you read the book of Jonah, Jonah turned away and ran because he knew that God was gracious. He so loved the world. He loved humanity. This ain't this, the world as far as you know, the Bible tells us love not the world. He's talking about humanity. He loved us. This is why he came to be a mediator between us and God. So that in himself, we are reunited, amen. God was in Christ, reconciling the world back unto himself. Hallelujah, he didn't wait until we turned back to him in love. That would have never happened. The Bible says, but God commanded his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. How many glad that Christ died for you this morning, this, this evening? Hallelujah. God commanded his love towards us. He commanded his love. So we will not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. That means more than just a long, never-ending life. It's more than just going on and on and forever and ever. I've heard people say, what are we going to do? <laughs> All that time, no time will be no more, amen. Eternal life is more about a quality of life, an abundance of life that is eternal. 
that is not bound by time. It's only something that God can give you, and he give it through, to you through love. Amen. Verse 17 and 18. For God sent not his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. Here, when it talks about the only begotten, the word means unique, single of his kind. There's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. If you don't believe in him, you are already condemned because you didn't believe in his name. Why is that so important? If you don't believe in his name, you're condemned. Don't you know what his name means? That Jehovah has become our salvation? If you don't believe Jehovah has become your salvation, you're already condemned. There's no other savior beside him, he's declared. Amen. We have no one else in heaven but him. And after this, there's a few more verses. It's talking about the light coming in the world and men loving darkness, and they did not want their they, they deeds exposed. And, and after this dialogue, you hear nothing else from Nicodemus. There was nothing else to say. Some be people believe, some theologians believe that this conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a representative of all mankind. Representatives all. He laid it out. But I told you I wanted to look at the conversation and I wanted to look at this man as well. Turn with me to John 7. I'm not going to read all this. I'm going I'm to cut it down. John 7. This is when Jesus went to the, the feast in Jerusalem, going towards the end of his ministry. In the great day, the last day of the feast, verse 37, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, not as tradition, but as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers, somebody say rivers, of living water. And the Bible tells us, but this spake he of the spirit. This is the new birth. And the Bible tells us that some believed and some didn't. In verse 30, 43, it says that there was a division amongst the people. Some didn't like what he had to say. Guess who they were? The Pharisees. They asked their officers, why didn't you take them? And they replied, they never heard a man speak like him. They never heard a man like him. And they accused them of being deceived and asked them, have any other rulers, have, have any other Pharisees believed? And they accused the common people of not knowing the law. They said they know nothing. But look at verse 50. The Bible says, Nicodemus said unto them, he that came to Jesus by night being one of them, doth our law judge any man before it hear him? And knoweth what he doth, doeth? The, they dismissed him and they mocked him. They, they called him, ain't you a Galilee too? It ain't no prophets coming out of Galilee. The Bible says he was one of them. He was still one of them. But he took that opportunity because he heard Jesus speak before. And he tried to stand up for him in some type of way. Let's travel to John 19. John 19. John 19. 
coming to a close. I have one more scripture after this. John 19, starting at the 38th verse. The Bible says, and after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. And he came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and bought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloth with spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden, a new sepulcher wherein was never a man yet laid. And there they laid Jesus. Therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. This man, Nicodemus, this Pharisee, he took part in Jesus' burial. He brought the spices and the herbs. We know about the, the, the woman that broke out the uh, alabaster box and Jesus said, wherever this gospel is preached, mention her for what she did. And here's Nicodemus. He, he, he said that the, the woman did that for preparation of his burial. But here it is. It, it, they have this dead body in front of them. And the Pharisees was, was responsible for his death. But he wasn't one of them this time. He broke loose and, and took part in making sure he had a proper burial. We have to take part in the life of Jesus, in the death of Jesus, and in his burial, amen, in order to know him in the power of his resurrection. That is how we get the victory, amen. That is how, as people of God, we get the victory. And if you receive it, you will not perish. This is my last scripture, the, the singers can come. Matthew 19, Matthew 19, starting at 28 through 29. And Jesus said unto them, verily I say unto you, that ye which follow me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory. Ye shall also sit upon 12 thrones, ju judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, our brother and our sisters, our father, our mother, our wife, our children, our lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. We got to follow him into the regeneration. We must be born again. That's the only way you'll have victory over this flesh, amen. That's the only way you'll have victory over this devil, amen. The only way we have victory over this world is in his name. I know y'all have a song. I just want to sing something. Y'all can play with me. I normally lead this to the singers. It's a song that says, In the name of Jesus, the precious name of Jesus, we have the victory. It's in the name of Jesus, the mighty name of Jesus, Satan will have to flee. Oh, tell me who can stand thee for us when we call on his great name, Jesus, 
Jesus, oh Jesus, Jesus, we have the victory. Hallelujah. If you need victory tonight, this altar is open. If you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, if you have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the initial sign of speaking in other tongues, tonight is your night. You don't have to wait till Sunday. You don't have to wait the first Sunday. We have clean clothes. We got water. We have buried you in the name of Jesus Christ. You can take part of his burial tonight and have victory over everything that's in your life that's trying to destroy you that's trying to destroy your marriage, that's trying to destroy your family. Hallelujah, let's lift our hands up. Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For your precious gift of the Holy Ghost.